0: Can I help you guys with anything? Since I don't have any classes.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but you just figure out how I'm going to teach English? How I'm going to teach?
2: <laughs>
1: I'm going to teach narrative writing in ten lessons.
0: How you can teach narrative writing in ten lessons? What's narrative mm-hmm. writing? Storytelling?
1: Okay, it's just how to tell a story. So they have to know plot oh, structure. Skip that they have shit. to know the book. What voc- the hell
0: are you doing that for? Have, skip
1: that. They have to know how to write no. dialogue. They have to analyze character uh, and theme. Uh, you have to analyze how the setting applies seriously, to the theme.
0: Seriously, skip that. that shit. What, what is that <laughs> going to serve them in the greater lifetime? You need to teach them like how to write an argumentative essay first. Because everybody likes to argue.
1: Oh, Sharon. She's offering up her help because instead of having her own classes this year, she was surprised to learn that she'd been assigned as support staff to her science department and has no class of her own this year now it's just one more sign of how going back to school will be different for many of us but you know Sharon she's optimistic aren't you (laughs) yeah as always about her new position but in today's episode we're all trying to stay optimistic as we talk about what we are thinking about as we're getting ready to start our own school year next week What's the latest with COVID? Where are other teachers doing? And where are they at? Are they at school? What are they saying? And what do parents wish we would consider when we're developing our protocols? Well, finally, hang in there to the very end because I talk with Jackie Sills-Della from from theglobetrottingteacher.com. Now, we talked about her in episode 10, but she's actually here this week to tell us in her own words how she saves money and makes her travel expenses disappear. So hang in there to the end and you can get those information too. Sounds good? Yay. Yay, Jackie. Sounds great. Welcome to episode 11. Classrooms and COVID and kids. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Classroom and COVID and kids. Oh my! Oh my! (laughs) No more waiting around. It's here, man.
2: Whoa! whoa, She's doing a tit shot. Looking for
0: my. She just zoomed in on her boobs. I was looking for my notes. Oh, what? oh my! Oh, sorry, I was looking for my notes that I wrote from the sky. Oh, <laughs> our classroom yeah, and COVID over. and kids. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> hey, oh wow!
1: How come we can never start this podcast without it going gutter before
0: that? You never start anything without it going gutter. It's come too on. Easy.
1: So let's get into our newsworthy tidbits. And first thing was that I, I noticed, or I'm sure you guys all heard that there was some kind of a, a techni- technical glitch so that there were like 300,000 COVID cases in California that had not been reported properly. And uh, Newsom at first said, oh, I I never heard of it until just like Monday. But then it supposedly, well, this is like August 10th. So this is a while ago now. But um, those glitches have supposedly been rectified at this time. But it's really important because those numbers are what allow school districts to apply for waivers to open a school in a county If it's currently on the monitoring list. so
2: watch list. Yeah, yeah. so
1: if they don't have those numbers to show that they're able to do that, then they can't apply for a waiver. So the process actually had been frozen all the way from July 31st was when the public health departments had been unable to decide on elementary school waivers because they didn't know how many cases were out there in their jurisdictions. So that supposedly has been rectified now. And for the last 14 days, uh, uh, well, I'm looking at the county variance monitoring website. You can go to that and see how your particular counties are doing. And in the last 14 days um, of the glitch, that system has now been supposedly rectified and is functioning properly so that if you go to the website now, you can see the updated numbers and there is no longer a backlog. I thought it was kind of interesting looking at the map though of California, and the entire
0: top I'd say fourth of the state is all yeah clear. I saw that yeah kind of we well, huh? they started the whole thing, and I think they did things a little bit differently than we have down here. I'm not sure that their populations are as dense either
1: as mm. we are in this area um, and then it, you can see there's one county in the middle of all the affected. Counties on the monitoring list, Inyo County, is the one county there that is in the clear. So,
0: don't know why that is. What are you doing, in Inyo well, County? Well, it's Inyo. That's like no, Bakersfield, isn't that right? Further? Isn't that all the mountains? Isn't that like Lake? Inyo Kern, that's like Lake, Lake, Lake Isabella. Area? I don't know, I don't remember. No, Lake
1: Tahoe's up is further, closer to the bend. Yeah. It's down here, it's just north of San Bernardino County. Mm-hmm. So this is San-, San Bernardino County. It's the biggest county in the country, by the way. San Bernardino County has had 8,000 new cases in the last 14 days. We have 364 per 100,000. And uh, a total in our county of 41,724 cases are in San Bernardino County at this time. Uh, within the last 14 days, we've had 151 new deaths, which is works out to about 68 Deaths per hundred thousand, and a total in our county of five hundred sixty-eight total deaths. So, testing: at last report, last within the last fourteen days, there has been eighty-two thousand four hundred ninety-two tests given out. So, we're definitely not going on the right side of this. We're still going up. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I'm not seeing how we're going to go back to school. Which, incidentally, brings me to the second point. Which was these these school districts, mostly in the southern part of our country, that have opened up classes and gone back. Namely, I'm talking about mm-hmm. Alabama, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Indiana, which isn't very south, and Georgia. And those school districts have reported more than 2,000 students and teachers are now being quarantined. Um, with after at least 230 of those people have tested positive for, for coronavirus, they started in-person learning on August. 3rd. And as of August 11th, there were about 59 positive cases. It's affecting more than a dozen schools over there. Over the last four weeks, this article uh, reported that there's been an increase of 90% in COVID cases in children. Um, And this is according to an analysis by the American Academy of Pediatrics and Children's Hospital Association. And they do say that this uptick is First, a lot more movement among kids going out there. And there's, mm-hmm. of course, more people in our general population that are affected. And there is an increase um, in testing to identify these people. So I don't know how that makes you feel, but um, I think we're definitely on the right track for not going back into the classroom yes. based on all of this. Yes, information. yes,
0: yes, yes, yeah. out of there. I looked up inyo county inyo county's death valley 130 degrees <laughs> that's why they're not getting it that shit Let's see up. let's see what is the most populated area in here um, bishop bishop is the biggest town you got Bishop, Big Pine, Independence, all of which are absolutely the most amazing places to visit. I love going there. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous. gorgeous. Death Valley, which in itself is fantastic. But Death Valley Park, the Death Valley uh, National Park takes up almost half the county.
1: There we go. So they don't have a whole lot of people. But they don't mm-hmm. have the population density that no. we do here in San Bernardino and Los Angeles LA County. Yeah. So that's probably, probably a good reason why they don't have that. And like Jen said, it's just too damn hot. <laughs> right well, now. not in Bishop yeah.
0: and Big Pine. They're beautiful. Independence is that in the Is that mountains? I've never been. Oh there. God, Anne, mm-hmm. let's go. It's like on the way to Mammoth. <laughs> when do I? When do <laughs> I get to leave and go travel? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. You know, beautiful green mountains, rivers, lakes. Just uh, so pretty. I guess we're just gonna to have to keep watching that monitoring
1: list. I, I don't know, do you think it's gonna go down in 10 weeks? Well, it won't be down uh, enough.
0: It has to be 14 days in a row. So what you're saying is in, oh yeah, 10 weeks, right? And then, mm-hmm. then it would be possible to go back at the quarter?
1: If our county has, has had 14 days in a row of
0: lower indicators, right, of the virus. And how's our trend, so, it's still going up, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are done with being at home and have moved on to pretty regular activities. And I think that is going to cause another increase. I just read
1: an article this morning in, in um, Oregon. They've started trials on the Moderna vaccine. But it's a two-year trial, so oh, yeah. Wow. So it's two years before they'll know whether or not it's safe to or effective to be used. So we're looking at a a long time. So I don't know. Get ready. This is the new normal.
0: Yeah, it is. Right? I you know, and like before when we were doing all this, I'm like, it's only temporary. It's only temporary, but it's temporary for a while, and we kind of do now it's not no it is it's still temporary i mean i mean basically come on guys everything in life is temporary nothing is permanent you 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 know that so um but this is just going to be a little bit a little bit long well i was thinking like a year let's see we might still be in my time frame maybe huh
1: well, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens and keep watching the numbers. And in the meantime, we, you and I and all the rest of us teachers who are going back distance learning or blended, we sure have a lot of work to do in order to get things started mm, and <laughs> make it successful. Uh. So let's take a little break right here. And when we come back, we'll talk about what people are doing, what teachers are doing in order to get ready to go back to school. There are several school districts that have decided they are going to open and they are going to have kids come back to class. And I think uh, one of the biggest things is, and we still don't know that either. They haven't told us yet. And that was a sticking point in our negotiations. What happens if a teacher gets sick? Are they using up their sick days or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be? But, um, Here's an example of one teacher she's forty two years old her name last name is um Harris and she actually decided that after thirteen years of teaching, she was going to stay in teaching until she retired. but because she's being forced to go back into the classroom she she quit yep she she yep. resigned so and that's according to an article in um Edweek Research Center so there's a lot of Teachers out there who are like, you're going to make me go in the classroom? Fine. I'll find something else else to do.
0: Mm,
2: plan B.
1: Right? So I don't know if that's such a good idea. I you know,
0: I, oh, I, I would take leave. I don't think I would quit. <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, if, if I was really in that position where I felt totally uncomfortable. But then, then again, I don't know what state she's in and I don't know how her negotiations are and what her abilities are, but I would definitely advise against quitting. And if you feel that uncomfortable, take a leave of absence and- I know this is, this article said there's about 20% of teachers who
1: say that they're unwilling to go back into the classroom um, this fall. Okay,
0: well, you could put me in that category, but I'm not gonna quit. I'm I'm in the 20%, I am totally unwilling to go back to the buildings in the fall. I am definitely in that position, but I am not gonna quit
1: i wonder if that is um that must be district policies though don't you think it must be how you how your unions work
0: that's yeah i'm wondering where she's at and yeah what her i mean you would think you could take family leave but maybe that doesn't probably it it won't take for the whole year for sure but i mean Mm -hmm. well you could try to get pregnant That is not an option. <laughs> not an option. I'm with you. No, that's that, family leave right there. That's not possible. <laughs> you could adopt, but oh, oh my gosh, this is totally off topic. But I was reading this article about adoptions and surrogates and people who are surrogates and people who are surrogates for, I guess the US is like the leading nation to be surrogates for people outside the country and we've got all these really? all these babies that were supposed to be picked up by their parents cuz their surrogate gave birth and now they're not getting picked up because people can't get in the country.
1: Oh my gosh. Mm. Hey, is that because is that because if they're born here, they're yep. a
0: citizen so that's why people See that? <laughs> So they're born here, so they are U.S. citizens. So in order for the parent to come from, I was well, they were focusing on this uh, gay man couple in China, who had this woman give birth for their baby, and they were going to come pick up the baby in Washington State, and um, she gave birth. And right before she gave birth, he wrote her an email, said, I think my trip's going to be delayed. The U.S. isn't allowing anybody to come in from China, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then she gets an email that says, I think my trip's really going to be delayed. Will you please take care of my baby? Right? And oh she's gosh. like, been going through this whole thing. I'm not going to keep the baby. I'm not going to keep the baby. I'm not going to keep. Well, now she gave birth to the baby and now she's got this baby. And, and she's bonding yes. with it. Yeah. And right. She she's got, and she's it got it her own kids. And so she's like telling their kids, this isn't your brother. He's not staying. <laughs> oh my <laughs> he's, God. He's going to be, he's, he's going <laughs> to be going with his family. And the poor guy in China is like trying to get to the U S to, to to pick up his kid. But the baby now needs a passport because the baby's now a U.S. citizen. Well, the passport offices are closed. <laughs> So you oh can't my get a passport. going to be like
1: 18. Yeah. is going to be 18
0: before he gets to go back. Yeah. I mean, this kid, I don't know. It, did, she get to, did she get to name the baby? Does the baby have a name or is it just like baby it? I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, like attorneys are working on it. You know, it, it, it's just another piece that's happening that I never would have thought of. Never, right. never would have thought of. And, it, and mm-hmm. then, you know, they've got attorneys that are trying to get the, what is it, the State Department that does passports to, you know, alleviate that thing and, and just say, you know, the kid doesn't need a passport now to go because here's their legal parents, you know, they can get the passport later, but oh, yi-yi. I feel so <laughs> bad for them. That's crazy. That is, that is great. I'm sure she's not the only one. Oh, no. I'm sure there's more. No, more there cases. was, there was mm-hmm. another country and I can't remember where they said, where I guess it hit news big time where they had like all these babies sitting on the steps of this uh, adoption agency that were just not being picked up because their adoptive families little baskets all over yeah, the stairs. Yeah, they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't come in uh, and, and get
1: their babies. Like a, Storks are on strike. It's like a, it's like a baby yard sale.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs>
1: <Cool. it does. laughs>
2: I'm going to the baby yard sale today. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh look, see right here right. the
0: stranded babies of the coronavirus danger. Uh. Uh, what, where's that article this from? One? In case people okay, read this it. one. Or we can give you the link yeah, out this later. One's the New Yorker. I haven't read this one, but the other one I read like from Apple news. Um,
1: okay. We'll put the links in the show notes in case anybody wants to go off on that tangent. Like we just did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're all going to be our students. They're not going to have names. They're going to come into our classes in in oh, six no. years with like a name like it or kid or baby <laughs> two. X. Baby X. Baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. So many things. So um, what do you guys think, though, about these teachers who are having their distance learning, but they're being required to go back and teach in their classroom? Fucking bullshit. I'm that? sorry.
0: That's fucking bullshit. That is so wrong.
2: I have I have a friend that works at, at uh, the high school right here by my house, and uh, he was regretting it. He was so upset. He was so pissed. He's like, I can't believe they're going to make us do that, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw him again at the grocery store and, and I said, hey, how is it? He goes, actually, it's not that bad. He actually uh, kind of enjoys it, you know, He's it, it's getting him out of mm-hmm. his house. And, you know, he's, you know, probably not supposed to, but he's having lunch with some colleagues, <laughs> you know, catching up on some stuff. But he says it's so much easier for him to do it at school, you know, because he's got, you know, a house full of people, you know, his kids and wife and stuff. But um, yeah, he says it's not that you can bad. You might
1: concentrate better too, because you're, I think your brain yeah. sometimes when you're in your work environment has a different mindset than when you're in your house mm-hmm. and you're looking at the dishes that haven't been done and the bed that hasn't been made and the kid that's not on Zoom in their Zoom class because they're doing something else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe that way it does give you some uh, sense of this is I'm at work now. Um, there's a couple of reasons that I've seen. I, I first, when I first heard that, I thought it was ridiculous too. i was like, what you're saying? It's not safe for kids to be back in classes. And uh, so why are you making adults go back and teach in their classrooms? And my first thought was, oh, they're kind of spying on you to make sure that you're doing your job. Yeah. That was the first thought that I had. But then I was actually talking to some parents who have elementary school kids. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that, For their kids, especially like first graders or kindergartners who haven't been in school yet, that that really gives the kids a sense of being at school. And the teacher can take them on a little virtual tour and show them around the classroom. And so I thought that made sense to me. I was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's not such a bad,
0: uh, bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it should be mandated. I, I, yeah, yeah, I have no, no the problem if you want to go into your classroom um, and, and do that. But, um, but I, I, I don't necessarily want to rely on everybody on campus doing what they're supposed to be doing and, you know, keeping my risk factor low. You can always
1: lock your door and put some yellow caution tape outside mm-hmm. so nobody would come in. Yeah, my door that
0: links to how many other classrooms? Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: uh, we'll get you some cock. You can cock yeah, I, I, I mean, I just, I think, I think it goes back, and I think our school district has been very good about this. And I, and, you know, it goes back to being professional. We can be professional at home. We can be professional in our classroom. You know, let us pick personally. This working from home thing, I have really liked because when I'm not working for school, you know, I can take a break that is completely different, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and then, yeah. and then I'm not, I'm not scrambling. I just, this is what I remember from, you know, when we were working a lot, I'm not scrambling later. I can change the laundry and take a break and I don't, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I'm not, I it. That's exactly. So then I'm not on the home. weekend stressed out about, you know, getting all the home stuff done and I can still do, work stuff and home stuff. I, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of like to spread it out so that I can do both together. So I'm not focusing on only like getting my house taken care of, meal planning, blah, 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 meal prepping, blah, 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 blah all on one day. It's kind of, it's nice to have mm-hmm. it where I can take a, a break. So like, I mean, if we were at school, right, and we took a lunch break, and we had an hour, you know, we might go out to eat or something. But at home, I, if I have an hour break, you know, I might check in on my kids. <laughs> I might check in on my animals. I might, you know, go do a little bit of gardening. I i mean, that's what I did in the spring. I think it helped my sanity a lot. I think that's, I can see
1: that point too, especially mm-hmm. if you're really like beat or sick, you know, you might even be able to manage teaching better at home if Taking you're that. sick, you know. Um, but I, another thought about if you're teaching from school is supposedly, and I know this isn't always true based on our personal experience, but the technology is better, more reliable. You know, so And if something goes down or you're, you're, something's not right, there could be an IT person that can get to you much faster than if you're at your home and something happens. So that's another reason some people are feeling more comfortable going back into the classroom because they have more support that way to get in there yeah it's a good point
0: so it's a a good Mm -hmm. i mean i've used it here at home and you know instead of our it person being in the room with me messing with it for an hour i was on the phone with them for an hour Mm -hmm. but i think if you want to go into the classroom and that's going to make you more comfortable and then do it if you are more comfortable teaching from home then do that i just don't i don't think it should be Mandated or it should be yeah. required, I think. We're not mandating students' return, are we? We're giving them yes, a choice. We're giving them a choice. We should, yeah, yep. we should definitely have a choice as well. What
1: are some things that you're concerned with, like right now? What is, what's going through your minds as you get ready to go back to school? I mean,
0: I'm glad our school is looking at, you know, school-wide expectations of what the students are going to be, you know, doing. I was talking to uh, this guy that I do business with, and I was asking him about his kids because. They're already back at school. And he said, you know, um, so he's had to split his kids up and put them in different rooms. We got four kids, I think. Um, and he put his office in the garage uh-huh. so that he's, you know, separate from them. Um, and, uh, uh, and he had to set the rules with his kids. You know, the expectations are you're not wearing PJs because it's school. Okay. Yeah. And you can't come running to me every time you got a question because when you're at school, you can't come running to me when you've got a question. So you need to figure out a way. I thought that was really good advice that you've got. You've got to figure out a way to get the help that you need from your teacher and let them know what's going on because mom and dad are not with you when you're at school. And so we're not going to be with you when you're here. And he's got a middle schooler, high schooler, and uh, and then kindergarten
1: TK. One of the parents that live on my street has a kid. I think she's in, first grade this year. And the teacher on the first day said, mom, and first of all, same thing, must dress for school, okay? Uh, You can't lay on your bed. You have to, if if your bedroom is the only place that you have to work, you can't lay down on your bed. You have to sit up no matter where you are. And they also said that they did, the teacher also said, I don't want to see mommy and daddy hovering in the background. They can help you log on, but then they need to go bye-bye and not be there. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think that's important. I have a feeling there's going to be a few parents
0: yeah. that are going to want to hover. Well, I think, yeah, know? it's important for parents yeah. to know that. I mean, everybody, you guys, everybody's going to struggle at the beginning. We're all going to be working this out and figuring it out together. But you, as a parent, do not want to be hovering around your kid for a whole school year. Trust me. That is not what you want to be spending your time doing. Okay? Yeah. so. Right. I think it's true. You've got to, you've got to help build that in where, um, where you've got them working on being independent or dependent on the teacher and the class and not dependent on the family. So another thing is a lot of
1: us are going to be doing, of course, our video, you know, everything's going to be done through video, right? And I don't know these kids, um, I only maybe know their names, but I'm not going to be able to know who they are unless I can see them. How do you feel about requiring kids to keep their videos on so that we can get to know who they are, what they look like? Um, what's your opinions on that?
2: Go ahead, Jen. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can totally see both sides of that. You know, that that's hard because, as a teacher, I want to see them. I want to, you know, put a face to a name. You know what I mean? But you're gonna, you've got kids that are embarrassed of, you know, their, you know, what's in their background, their home situation, wherever it is that they're, where they're working, or and you know that there's that big problem that's happening right now with the online bullying of the kids screenshotting each other, you know, and posting, you know, horrible things on social media. So. I don't know. I like, I could, I see both sides of that one. That's hard. You know, what do you
1: guys yeah, think? Yeah, I agree
0: with you. I see, I see both sides. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I would, my whole. Blah, yeah. Blah. My whole plan, <laughs> my whole plan is no kid is required to be on camera, but then that's not our school plan as we learned this morning. They, yeah. I was going to say, right. Told today, so, you can't I mean, do that. Yeah. the other thing, the other, thing that I uh, questioned and I did send this to our tech people is, okay, if we're using that program for the kids to get on and the only way they can get on is using their district account. That puts their district Mm -hmm. account, their legal so-called quote-unquote name as that everybody can see. Well, what if there's the kid who doesn't use that name? You know, what if we've got what if we've got, um, you know, some kids that are transitioning and they need a different name or they're coming into our school and they're assuming a different gender, right? They're taking a, oh, they're wow. taking a different gender. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have their email fixed to reflect their name. That's going to be a problem. Oh. That's going to be a big problem. I know it's a small population, but that still is a huge problem for them. Yeah, when, when still. It, seems like it, it, it seems small enough though, that perhaps the parents could address that
1: before school started or contact the school and let them know that that's what they want the, Name to be changed well, you to? would
0: really hope that we would be able to do that. But I don't know. I don't know how our school district is able to handle that in our, what do you call that management system? They would need to go, they need to go in and actually yeah. change the name, which they should be able to do they absolutely they yeah they, no. yeah they absolutely should be able to do that especially in the state of California I mean they're putting it in first of all they're you know it's going in somewhere so yeah so somebody's going to be able yeah. to do that yeah and then and then you've got the kids that are that have uh well, we have tons of kids with anxiety and depression and um and because they're not going no, back to school and being a no, class I'm just talking i'm just talking <laughs> normal are you kidding? That's everywhere. Um, but having them, you know, forced, and like Jen said, like the background, like, whoa, what are you going to have in the background? I know with you guys, with you guys, and when we yeah. do this, I definitely keep my camera on. But like any other meeting, I mean, you see, I like never have my camera on. I it, Are you going to do that mm-hmm. with your kids now? Are you going to let them I, see? Well, you? I mean, I understand that piece where if it's a small enough group, I don't have a problem with it. But when you've got, you know, 10, 15 people on there and everybody's got their camera on, it is very distracting to me. I don't like it at all. But I'm thinking from maybe I misheard, but with the system that we're using, you can block it so the kid can only see, yeah, Yeah. yeah the can. teacher can only you. see you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, our school district's using a, a system
1: called Bloxy, which allows teachers to monitor the screens of their students and see what tabs they have open. And, um, we've just upgraded our system so that we have some new features, which are going to be trained on tomorrow
0: that will supposedly help us, um, mm-hmm. uh, mitigate some of these problems. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, to find out yeah, being, I was watching a video about that earlier today, but about, you know, if you're able to just put your teacher view up there and the kids can't see the other kids in class, Okay, well, that's mm-hmm. good for that aspect. But then how are you building community, which is the other piece we're gonna, supposed to be building? You know? Right. But, do the kids need to see each other to build community, though? Can you build
1: community with a name across a screen? I think you can because, I, I mean, I'll, there's so much that's lost. Why? Though, what right? happens with when blind people? people? You don't think blind people have community? <laughs> of course they do. <laughs> but a blind person still has expressions on their face. A blind person does not have expression. <laughs> well, the other
0: people do, but they can't see your expressions.
1: No, but you can see theirs. Uh, okay. But they can't see yours. They can feel your face, right? They can like feel your face and see how you, what a smile feels. Of course, you can't feel that across a video, so I guess that doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> feel
2: my face, man. <laughs>
0: i don't know i i i kind of jump back and forth on that i just uh, i i understand that you don't see the person in person but i mean think about think about like if you've been on a webinar or something or you've watched a ted talk you still get a sense of the person's personality even though they don't see you So we have to teach kids how to talk with
1: personality because they don't talk anymore. They text. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a personality. anymore. (laughs) We're going to have to teach them that how to speak with your voice and modulate your voice in an emotional way. So people can tell what you're thinking if that's what you're going to do. What about um, having them post, you know, how you can put a picture. Mm I don't know if you can do that in the system we're using with Bloxy where the kids can put a picture up instead of their face.
2: I don't know. I didn't get that far in the training video. (laughs) I think, I think there's, there's, ah, there's, I forget, but there's something. Yeah. We'll learn. We'll, we'll find out tomorrow, but I think there is something that you can do with that.
1: I, I hope so. There's just a lot of, a lot of things. And like you were saying, Sharon earlier, it's, going to be all crazy and difficult at first, just like it was when we went to emergency teaching at the end of the last year, we were all like stressed out. And then after we fell into the rhythm of it, it wasn't quite so bad as it was the first couple of weeks. I think that's what we're going to be looking forward
0: to here as well. I think that's going to be our back Um, to school night presentation. You know, we're going to try our best. It's right? going to take as a while. You yeah, too, it's right? going to take us a while. And let's cut each other some, some Oh, as yeah. I wasn't going to say that because you right. hate that phrase, but okay.
1: What about um, I know a lot of suggestions are that teachers should make videos uh, of things that they're going to say over and over again so that you could post those somewhere, like instructions and all these different um, kinds of, you know, How to videos, I guess, or going over something that is a repeated action in your class on a regular basis. And the suggestion was that those videos should not be longer than five minutes.
0: So, what do you think? Can you get stuff done in five minutes? Yeah. You know, where we remember that guy we were doing that webinar thing with, right? And he said you should record all of your lessons. I think he said 10 minutes. I said it shouldn't be more than 10 minutes because it takes time to process and besides seriously i've done this i've done this many times you go to youtube to learn how to do something and which videos are you going to click on you click click i click on the ones that are less than five minutes <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah i look
3: for the shortest exactly. one. Always.
0: how do i do this i was watching <laughs> i was watching some the other day on like how to protect your floors <sighs> from furniture because let me tell you this is like sucking with this huge chair i brought home um but, you know, and, and I watched like three videos and one of them I got like three minutes in and he just kept like kind of adding all this fluff. I'm like, ah, oh, bullshit, I don't need you. <laughs> just like, you know, yeah, get rid of the fluff. We don't need the fluff. Just give it to me straight, man. I could take it.
1: Do you have any worries about like trying to create a dog and pony show to keep kids engaged? Like you can't yeah, like, you can't just sit there in front of a video and, and talk. I mean, do you have any feel any, you know, pressure like you need a production company and something in order to make your videos lively? I'm kind of concerned with that actually. You know, um, I've seen other teachers' videos of when they're just blah 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 blah, and they have a PowerPoint up and they're just talking to the Which PowerPoint. Yeah. So, what's the answer to that? How do we? Get beyond, here's a PowerPoint, here's my voice talking to you, flip the screen, talk about that, flip the screen. I mean, I would, what is it? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And for two and a half hours, we're supposed to be on with them for two and a half hours. I'm just like, No, yeah, but you're not oh going to be man. on with them
0: teaching STEM direct for two and a half hours. You're going to be teaching them direct for a couple minutes and then they're going to run off and do something and then they come running back to you with something and then You're going to go, okay, next step, and you're going to tell them what to do next, and then they're going to go off and do something, and then they're going to come back, and then you're going to help the kids that didn't finish. Right. There'll be some kind of a rhythm
1: Mm. we'll get into, but I'm still, I am still worried about, um, yeah, you know, are they going to be giving out the Academy Awards for teaching videos? there's enough teachers that don't like technology to begin with that this is really going to be a challenge for them to get in front of the camera and try to teach. um, You know, so I don't know. I I do feel some sort of obligation to make things as entertaining as possible. And I think that's got got me kind of stressed out actually to tell you the truth.
0: Yeah. What was that? uh, Okay. So that dude that we were watching and that,
1: Manny Curio. Yep.
0: what was his name? He
1: he, <laughs> you watched it too, right,
0: Jen? NannyCurial He's got some great slides, you guys. We oh, watched you it did again today. He's hilarious. Okay, you got to put that in the show notes, man. He he's like got it down as to uh, he entertains himself. I know, right? <laughs> I think, it, but I think that's I think that's the key, right? Do something that is fun for you because. Be yourself, I I, guess, right? Everybody's going to do it differently. And I'm certainly not doing this disco ball shit that he does. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but it looks great for him. You know, I could see Montez doing that all dancing and crap, but I'm not going to do that. But but, I don't know, but I'll find something.
1: I guess uh, we just need to step out of our comfort zone a little bit and, and, be brave and do things that we wouldn't normally do. This is the time like to experiment really. And, and, and do all those things that you really could never do in your classroom, because I think people are going to get a free pass a lot on what they're, how they're trying to attempt to do things. But, you know, kids are going to talk and they're going to tell each other, Oh my God, this teacher is so boring. And the other one's going to say, Oh my God, these videos are so funny. You know? So yeah. if you're, I guess if you're worried about your reputation as an
0: entertainer, but I think it would be good, <laughs> I, and I really hope that this happens at our site, that the department split up the work, you know, and this this yes. one, you know, yeah, you this to. one, you know, makes the video for this, and this one makes the video for that, and then it, because Montez and I did that last year too, and so the kids get both of our personalities, and we do them differently, yeah. but they're still getting the material you know and with as far as like showing the powerpoints and doing your lecture just make sure you're not reading off the fucking screen god you know like i mean if if you want to talk about if you want to talk yeah if you want to talk about you know cheetahs and their cubs and how they reproduce or how they how they survive in the wild or how the moms take care of them, and then show the pictures of the cheetah and talk about it and don't don't right. make a bullet right. point list of what clouds are and don't show any pictures of clouds. <laughs> that would be really bad. <laughs> I, think, I think what we need to think about is, just, is
1: sit in the student's chair. How would we mm-hmm. want to have somebody present information to us? Uh, you know, how would you, how could you, what would you do if you had to sit and do work for two and a half hours with a teacher? How would you want to be, have that uh, organized for you? I think that's kind of how you have to sit in the other person's shoes to figure that out. Um, One other thing that's kind of concerning me is how am I going to take two or a semester's worth of work and pare it down to 10 days? Because, well, you actually have 12.
0: (laughs) 12 days still,
1: right? I mean, because we we literally see each period, the way our the way our district divided it up is they took half of our classes, periods one, two, and three will be the first ten weeks of school. And then periods four, five, and six will be the second ten weeks of school. So mm-hmm. I have ten, literally ten days, twelve, if you use all of it the, you know to the advantage, I guess. Okay, 12 days to do a semester's worth of work. Once I get that down.
2: Yeah, to do half a year's work of, yeah. yeah, worth of work. Yeah, and
1: then the second 10 weeks when I have periods four, five, and six, I'm repeating that again. Yeah. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that's what concerns me is how do, how do I take a semester's worth of curriculum and make it in 10 easy lessons, you know, when we're seeing each kid for two and a half hours a week? That's it. For our subject is yeah. that worry you at
2: all well I mean you just well you know we had a in our meeting with you know the the other schools the history departments we totally changed the order of what we're going to teach because we know we're not going to get through it all and uh, a lot of it mm-hmm. we're throwing out we have to there's there's no other way you know you can only do what you can do in the amount of time you're given so
1: what do you think though about going forward in the future so when we are able to go back to school. Do you think anything that we're doing now is going to carry over to a return to actual in-person schooling? Do you think there's going to be some demand for for
0: distance learning to continue to take place in some sort of a way? Yeah, I think so. I think think so. I I mean, especially if we can do it as well as we are hoping that we're going to be able to do it, I think that there will be a demand uh, for some change.
2: Yeah. Jen, do you think there's going to change? I think so, and I definitely think that we are going to have a pretty good-sized chunk of kids that will probably never return to school. That will continue their education online, um, either because it's easier for them um, or because you know, you know, the health concerns or whatever. But I had I had a, a lot of kids at the end of this last year that were, you know, just absolute, just slugs in the class and they thrived on online learning. They did so yeah, me much too. better, Agreed. you know? Yeah. I, it was, it was kind of crazy to see some of those kids that didn't do anything in the classroom all of a sudden, you know, online, cause they're working, you know, at a slower pace they're, they're doing things, you know, according to their time schedule. I think that's what helped a lot of my kids is, is they could, you know, do their work, you know, most of them, you know, are, are night creatures, you know, they were doing their work at night and, you know, they were thriving. I think it was, it was good for someone. And then, you know, of course I had kids that that were like straight A students and now they're not even logging on, you know, I mean, you're going to have the opposite, but I definitely think that we're going to see a bigger chunk of kids continue their education online and not at school at all. I think all all districts are going to offer it too. Yeah. For
1: some kids, the distractions that are in mm-hmm. class, they're like good students, but they just can't stop from socializing mm-hmm. or being distracted by those that socialize and getting pulled into yeah. that. So for those kids too, I think distance learning had some benefits for them. Um, so maybe it's maybe it's that we do distance
0: learning and then we have dances at school. <laughs>
1: They'll come to the school.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, well,
0: There's going to have to be, there's those kids that also need to be on campus. They're going to, I mean, we ha- we are going to have to,
1: there's some social some social interactions that are very vital to a school culture um, that that mm-hmm. prepare people for life beyond school learning how to interact with people how to wait your turn how to listen and participate in a conversation and a discussion that work better um, in person too so i think there is a there is a component of live learning in class learning that is important to the entire development of the person. So I don't know how that would work. Maybe they were off campus some days and they're on campus some others, depending on what their, their courses are like. So what do you say, guys? We take a little break right here. And then when we come back, we talk about what we've been hearing parents and uh, students saying they wish we knew about when, uh, since they've already been back to school. And we're back. That was quick. All right. So Love those breaks. I know. Magical. An hour went by and we're back already. Time flies. Um I've been talking to a lot of parents, and I don't know if you have either, but um, I just kind of wanted to go over what I heard parents saying that I think is really important as teachers and administrators and schools in general, that we are really taking into consideration that will make life much easier for the at-home contingency of our, of our group. Um, One of the biggest things that I heard people talk about was consistency and that, it was in by consistency in all, in all parts of it. For example, my, uh, one person I talked to has kids in elementary school, a first grader and a second grader, and they were given a schedule from the school that said what time their meetings were at, but then the teacher sent out a letter saying, oh, no, we're not meeting at that time. We're going to meet at 4.30 instead. And that threw the the parent for a loop because it was like, what well, what time are we meeting? And then the teacher didn't send out notices on time. Um, so there was, it was really hard for them if the, if the teacher didn't stick to the schedule that was already set up by the school district mm-hmm. that they've been getting because our parents have already got those schedules. So that was one thing that I heard uh, consistency. Um, something else was, Posting homework and links the same way every single time. So once you, once you mm-hmm. tell kids, this is where you're going to get your homework, this is how you turn your homework in, don't change it. Um, another parent to that said that they had a teacher who asked them to turn in, the kids to turn in homework, and then they were like, well, you can turn it in through Google Classroom. Or if you want to, you can turn it in through a mind. Or if you want, you can take a picture of it and email it to me. Oh, geez. You know? I'm confused. Just listening to it. Right. You. And so hurt it's like stick to exactly. one thing. Be consistent and don't give don't give to,
0: don't give a lot of options. Just say this is how you do it yeah. and stay that way. No, so your options you know? should be like on your assignment. You can do it this way or you can do it that way. That's where your options should be. Right. The actual yes. work.
1: Yeah, giving some choices yes.
0: how the work should be yeah, but not how you turn yeah. it in. Like, I agree. Right? That's so crazy. I agree. That'd be so crazy. I think that I think that like the, the hard part with that is, like, let's say you do an Ed Puzzle, and you're doing all your assignments through Google Class- Classroom, but when they do their Ed Puzzle, they don't actually have to turn it in through Google Classroom because it's already gone through in Ed Puzzle. Well, then you
2: don't create it as an assignment
0: create it as a post. I was thinking for me, I always still created it as the assignment because I would still put the grades in Google classroom.
1: One thing I was trying to teach my kids to do last, uh, this last before school that out. And I don't know if, if this was bad or not was even if the assignment wasn't like physically being turned in, through Google Doc, you still click the turn in button to say you were done with it. Yeah. And that was an indication that Mm -hmm. I could go and look at your assignment and have it be done. So no matter if it was something that was in a Google Doc, a physical, you know, physical, not physical because nothing's physical, but a document that could be actually turned in or if it was something Mm -hmm. outside of Google, like an Ed Puzzle, like a Kahoot, like one of those things that they all they had to do is click. Turn in the turn in button, and that was their signal to me that they had done it. Yeah, so I don't know if that was what do you think? Was that more confusing, or do you think that's a good no? Idea? I did that too.
0: That's how mm-hmm. I did it, also. Yeah, but it's still those that were ed puzzle on time, they still got graded automatically. But if they did it late and right. they didn't hit turn in, I never went back and checked because how would I know?
1: Right, because you that's their signal, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise. That's really important too that students realize that if they're going to turn in work late chances are it may not get graded even though even mm-hmm. though we may try to get to it but we won't always know. Yeah,
2: tell me. Yeah.
1: So it's really important that they have some way of, you know, notifying us that that work is done. So that's why clicking that turn in button regardless of whether it's an actual document to turn in or an outside resource that still is a signal to the teacher that I finished it.
0: So is that is so, that something that should be core wide? Should that be school wide? Yes. How should that be? We
2: decided that. we decided that as our core. Yeah, we already talked so about it. All and, your and assignments and school- that are
0: left are going to be uh, that are late are going to be clicked turn in on Google Classroom. But how are you going to know that they did it late on Google Classroom unless they send you an email?
2: That's the only way. If okay. they don't send us an okay. email, we're not going right. we're not okay. going back looking all for
0: right. it. Right. right.
2: They've got to notify yeah. okay. us that they did it.
0: Yeah. If it's so, late. email for light work because otherwise we're not. Or
2: remind, remind so some work sort of too.
0: notification to the teacher that I completed this I, assignment. Mm-hmm. And did you include in that? You must include the name of the assignment
2: and the period yeah. <laughs> yeah. and yep. the and name of the assignment,
0: last yes. name, period.
1: Yep. And don't write the entire thing in the subject in line. Oh, God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, we might need mm-hmm. to do that school-wide, not just student-wide. There are some adults on campus yeah. that do that, too. <laughs> How to
2: write an email.
1: And at our school, we're doing cores, which means that there is a group of, of teachers, a history, math, science, and English teacher that share the same group of students with among them, which makes it easy to make, there, make it be some standardization between the basics of what you're doing. It's definitely easier. But if you're not doing that, if you don't have that ability at the school you're at, then I think it is important at that school anyway that you you decide on what something that should be universal because then you have, mm-hmm. you know, one teacher doing it this way, another teacher does it this way, somebody else doesn't want you to do that, somebody else marks you down if you do that. And that's what I think what's making parents yes. crazy. So as a as a school, there are certain things that you need to, I think make universal in order to make it easier for your, your parents. And you and want to make kids. it as
0: easy as possible for those mm-hmm. parents and kids, man. Come on, let's be real. We want to make it as easy as possible for them. They're, right. They got enough um, other crap going on.
1: Another, another, um, another complaint I got was getting too many messages from teachers.
2: No. Mm-hmm. The
1: one, uh, the one parent I talked to, the, for some reason or another, she felt that the, her child's teacher was not very organized and was making changes like left and right. Like, oh, we're not going to do that today. We're going to do this. And that every single time she made a change, uh, she, would, she would send out a remind. And this parent is a working parent. And so her phone was literally getting rung up with these changes Tell six, seven, at. eight, mm-hmm. ten times a day. And uh, she was getting frustrated with that because, one, she's not anywhere where she can help her kid with it. Her particular children are actually at a daycare center. Um, That's where she drops them off every day. And I thought, I thought, oh my God! Can you imagine this? Picture this: she drops her kids off at a daycare center with, I think there's like 20 other kids there, or 25 other kids kids there
0: that all go to different, and they're all,
1: and all those kids are online at different schools.
0: Oh yeah, yay!
1: So, can you imagine being that daycare person trying to keep all these little, you know, kindergarten, first, second graders? Well, that's what they're offering our district employees,
0: right? Did you see that email? They're offering that for oh, yeah, our yeah.
1: employees. Through YMCA yeah. though. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, uh. Yeah. So I think if you make major changes, maybe, maybe we should keep our messaging down to once in, like in the evening, everything that's different or anything that needs to be mm-hmm. out there. And then maybe again, some kind of coordination if you're in a core that they're not getting, I don't know, 12 different messages from all your different history, math, English, science teachers. I don't know how to, how do you make mm-hmm. that easier? Because you might just have to do that. You might just have to deal with sending out a lot of messages one night.
0: That would make me crazy. My phone kept blowing up. Well, I tell you, like, yes, because as a parent and getting remind, because my kids' teachers use it as well, even in high school. And oftentimes, this is what I do. I just turn it off. And then in the evening, when I'm done working, I look at it because I can't do it during the day. I've got my own stuff I got to do. Mm-hmm. I have my own, uh, right. my own stuff. And a lot of it would come in when I was teaching in the spring. A lot of the stuff would come in in the middle of the day. So
1: so the suggestion is parents, turn off your phones. You don't need to look at it until yeah. Later. No, you
0: don't. Right? You don't.
1: Absolutely not. Nothing you can do to help your kid. At that time, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that might be some kind of a suggestion that to use there. Um, we were just talking about using Remind. Do you think it's important that a school uses one messaging system for all of their um, teachers? Well, then we wouldn't use Remind. We would only use Aries. But do you think we could? I could is it easier, though, if a, if a school said, OK, we're all going to use Remind? I think it is.
0: And I think Remind yeah. is a hell of a lot easier to use than Aries.
1: Oh, agreed. Heck yeah. Agreed. Faster. Um, are you listening, Remind? Um, here we are. We're giving you a free plug. We, <laughs> yeah, we okay. love you, Remind. Plug plug. Transparency us teaching.com. We
0: absolutely love you, Remind. I love it. Yeah. I love it as a parent. I love it as a teacher. Um, but as a parent, I definitely would turn that shit off while I was working and would not look at it. Right.
1: There's not so much you can do. And our
0: church uses it too. Um, So we're not only getting it from school, but we're also getting it from church.
1: Another one that came up was kids who, especially this is really true with the kindergarten, first, second graders and ones that may not be so familiar with using technology as a learning tool, like as a learning management system. And that is kids are freaking out because they can't log in. For example, um, one teacher, uh, Maria, sent me a message that said that her daughter had just finished a session with uh, online learning and the teacher had told them to take a break, and this is what this parent said.
0: So earlier, Jackie's teacher gave them a little break. And so she said, okay, you guys log off and then tell your mommy and daddies to log you back in. And then one of the girls raised her hands and she said, my daddy's not here. And I was like, oh my gosh, this poor little girl. And um, the, the... teacher was like well if you can just get another adult to help you and she's like well there's my grandpa's here but he doesn't know how to touch computers and if I log out I'm not going to be able to log back in so it's it's pretty stressful those are the things that are really insane especially with the little ones my bigger ones they're okay I just have to remind them and like get on their case but it's so sad with the little ones um because they just don't even know how to you know, work their computers, so. Well, why do, why do they need to log off? Can't they, can't, can't they just, leave? yeah, just walk yeah, away, walk come away, back. Come it's back. fine. I, I mean, I don't know, I, but I mean, again, we're in the first couple of weeks of school. Those kids are going to have it down in another week or two. They, yeah. Even the little yeah, ones, I even the little ones, they've too. got it. They're, they're right. so quick to pick it up. We just need to give. We just need to give grace, to Anne. We just. Need to- <laughs> I know. I'm so. You know I, I hate to say
1: it. I'm so sick of that phrase. It's become such a cliche. Just cut. Give everybody some grace. Give them grace.
2: Give yourself like, grace. What does Grace think about all this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so call her and ask her. <laughs> yeah. Let's say Grace. Let's She's eat. getting thrown around
1: everywhere. Um, here's one I thought was a really good suggestion. Um, a parent mentioned to me that the teacher was giving a lecture and kids were trying to type things into the chat. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to do a lecture and I've got my uh, screen sharing, I can see the chat, but I can't, I'm not always like right on it. And I may not see mm-hmm. questions that are popping up all the time. And this parent was upset because the teacher never answered any of the questions that the kids had, maybe until it was much later and then the answer wasn't relevant anymore. And so um, I thought, and really, good answer to that was if you're in an old enough grade have one of the kids monitor yep. the chat and be like the you know the co-host yep. mm-hmm. and then they could say oh um miss teacher there's a question
0: from Johnny. absolutely you definitely need a co-host yeah so i thought that
1: was a really good it idea is. having somebody else do that
0: we do it all the time with meetings. meetings
1: yeah Right. Uh-huh. That's kind of where I got the, that yep. idea from having a yep. co-host. So I think the kids would love I that think so too. too. I'll be, I want to be the co-host, you know? So um, anyway, so the other thing was having too many places to go to find information. We're talking about our district came up with a district website that's broken down into school websites that's broken down into department websites. That's broken down into
2: It's broken down. <laughs> <laughs> that shit all sounds broken down. Mm-hmm. That's too much.
1: So, how many clicks does it it's like how many licks does it take to get to the Center Patrizzy role, you know, but how you know, how many clicks does it take to get to the information that you want? So
0: Yeah, but once the parents get up, that, they can bookmark what they want and then they're good.
1: Yeah. I suppose. But still, why not make it more streamlined? What's one thing that you personally are really looking forward to or working towards?
2: Small classes. That's going to be huge for me. I think. Working. I've never, I've never had a class that was less than, you know, probably 25 kids. So this 15 ish number I think it's going to be great. I'm
0: looking forward to working with more adults. Yeah. Not oh, yeah. feeling so
1: isolated in what we do, right? Because we're a team now. We have teams. Right. That's always better. That's what I was going to say. I'm really looking forward to collaborating with my co-teachers and coming up with some new, innovative, experimental, and just trying stuff out um, this year. Just making things as as uh, innovative and, and interesting as possible. That's kind of where I'm hoping to go with this whole thing this year. So.
0: Anyways, it will. There we it go. Will. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think it's going to be good.
1: Joining us now is Jackie Sills De La Gracie. Uh, Jackie is a former English teacher who traded in her dry erase markers and ruler for plane tickets and adventure. She is now the founder and senior editor of the popular travel website, theglobetrottingteacher.com. Here she shares tips, tricks, and travel insights to help others learn how they too can travel the world without going broke. Jackie has a bachelor's in English language arts, a master's degree in reading, and she's also studied musical theater. She has taught English at the Lycee du New York bilingual school and at the Stevens Cooperative in New York City. She has been a featured blogger on the Discover Flagstaff website and a speaker at the Women's Travel Fest in 2018. On Jackie's website, the Globetrotting Teacher, you'll not only find travel inspiration, but also practical day-to-day itineraries, detailed guides, and travel tips to help you discover destinations, plan your trips, and show how travel rewards can help you explore the globe for less. Welcome to Transparency in Teaching, Jackie. How are you doing?
3: I'm good. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, it is a it's a pleasure to have you here, and um, we hope that uh, you can give us some great information so that once we're allowed to travel the world again, we'll be able to get out there and save some money while we're doing it. Can you um, give us a little background about you and your your teaching, uh, what you're doing with teaching now, if anything, and uh, how you even got started in this whole uh, project?
3: Yeah, so I was a classroom teacher for 15 years. I taught elementary school and then English. Um, I was mostly in third, second, and third grade, and then I went on to be an English teacher for a couple years. Um, and sort of through all this, I, I always loved to travel, and I, I just started a blog. I, I think I actually just, I was like on a whim. I had no idea what I was even saying what happened, you know, I can remember sort of just sitting on the couch with my husband being like, I think I'm going to start a blog this weekend. He was like, cool, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, and so that's sort of how it started. And I, I just started writing about my travels. I had traveled a lot, um, even before meeting him and we had traveled together. So I just started like writing down my travels also too. I, I use points and miles for my travels, and a lot of family members were always asking me, you know, how do you do that, what are you doing? So I was like, maybe I should just write this down so I can stop saying it over and over. And and so that's sort of how I was born, but I was still teaching full time. So, you know, it was a real labor of love. I, you know, would teach all day and do all the things that you have to do as a classroom teacher and, you know, make my lesson plans at night and respond to emails and all of that. But when I had like a couple hours at night, I would, Write or work on the blog for a few hours before going to bed and sort of what I did for a while and you know little by little it grew and um, You know eventually I I mean, I would say about two years in I was able to Focus solely on the blog and transition out of the classroom as a full-time teacher although I still keep my toe in the door um, it's one of those things where, you know, you're sort of like, I don't know if I should ever really completely give it up, but, but um, I've been lucky the last few years to be able to work on the blog as my sole business. And here and there, I'll, I'll do a, like a leave replacement for teacher friends of mine, or I have old schools where I used to work where they'll call me to sub or work on a special project where they need some extra teacher hands for a few weeks. So I, I, I kind of do these I mean, fill in and odd teaching jobs <laughs> from, from time to time. It's,
1: it's hard to give it up, right? You spend a lot of time, you spend a lot of effort getting those credentials to begin with. Plus, what do you feel about your um, using, do you ever use your travel experiences in your classrooms?
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, with younger kids, um, sometimes it's a little bit harder for them to sort of understand, you know, e- Just where we are, even in the world, you know, second graders can, you know, kind of just wrap their heads around their own immediate surroundings sometimes. But, um, but at the same time, you know, it does it does help um, give you a a more, uh, you know, more more perspective on some of the things you're teaching. You also. I mean, I know from traveling, I have visited even different schools or met other teachers from around the world. And just even talking to them, it gives you a different perspective on maybe something you're doing in the classroom that makes you think like, oh, let me try this. Or, um, or, oh, I didn't even think of doing a geography study that way, you know, and sort of, um, you know, expand what you're, what you're thinking. And, and I mean, it has helped in the sense of, you know, giving my students, um, sometimes some really funny stories, <laughs> you know, or, you know, just little things about, cause you know, kids, especially younger kids, they see you as, you know, this infallible, like, you know, thing. So when you tell them like, Oh my God, you know, you don't even, you know, I'm going to tell you about that time that I, you know, completely tripped in the airport and, you know, my suitcase went flying and they, they hysterical, you know,
1: <laughs> funny stories are always good oh, to throw please. around in the classroom for sure. Yeah. Um, do you think that, being, uh, that travel helps to like broaden your perspective too. Um, I, I don't know, maybe some of the things you've seen, I don't know if you've, have you ever visited schools in other countries at all?
3: A little bit. So I I actually was lucky when I worked at the Lycee Francais, I, um, they had a partnership with a school actually in Haiti. So I was able to travel, um, with them, um, me and I think it was maybe three or four other teachers, Uh, we went to this school and we stayed for about a week and they, and sometimes some of their teachers would come and, you know, visit our school. So we had this sister school relationship going on. And so that was, you know, really amazing because, you know, sometimes you get so wrapped up in your own day to day in the classroom, you know, and you're in your own little bubble and then you go to another school, especially in a place that is, you know, not as developed in terms of, you know, what they have for schools and school supplies. And, you know, I'm worried about like, oh, goodness, you know, I don't have the right laminating paper for this thing, you know, something so silly, you know, and here these teachers are, you know, the first thing do we have to get all the kids in the door and make sure they wash their hands so that nobody spreads cholera, you know, and so like, you know, it kind of it's familiar now, <laughs> I kind of really put some things in perspective, like, oh, okay, so you know, maybe those things that I'm sort of stressing over are really not a big deal.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is true. When you think about it, you always think like, oh, first world problems, right? Until you really get into those third world countries and you see what life is really like there. So totally. So let's talk a little bit about um, how teachers should be traveling. What are some of the most important things, maybe teachers in general and people in, in, you know, teachers specifically and people in general should consider when planning a trip? How do you go about that? You know, like, for example, uh, most of us can only travel on vacation days. So that means usually summers or Christmas vacations when it's super busy. Mm -hmm. Do you have any um, suggestions for that? Or are there months and things that are less costly? What What are some things that we should be considering when we're planning a trip?
3: So one of the things I would say is, you know, I hear this a lot from teachers that even reach out to me on my blog and I don't let your teaching schedule Limit what you're what you're able to do. So I guess maybe some people might not necessarily agree, but you know, I was somebody who I knew I had you know Thanksgiving break, Christmas break, spring break, those types of things, and then of course summer vacation. And I made no bones about the fact that travel was a priority in my life, and I wanted to travel, and I went to travel on those times, and it, and sometimes it meant my family traveled with me for Thanksgiving or Christmas, or sometimes it was just my husband and I taking a trip and I saw everybody after we got back. Um, you know, and I sort of just, again, made sure people understood that this was really important for me. And if I could do it at another time, I would, but I can't. So, uh, this is what it is. Um, and, and then, so I traveled on every single break that I could get. And then in the summer, I traveled longer periods of time. And since my husband at the time had, you know, he has his job, I, I could get way more time off than him. (laughs) So, um, I would travel solo and, uh, I, he would maybe join me for a little, a little while, but then I would go off on my own or have my own sort of thing planned for me for the summer, because again, I wanted to travel and so I guess that's my first bit of advice would be if you really want to travel and you're stuck to that teacher's schedule, don't let that stop you. There are, there are ways around it just from a mental standpoint, you know, at like everyone can get really hung up on, oh, I can't leave my family at Christmas or I'm really nervous about traveling solo and I can get all of that. But if it's really something that's going to make you happy, then I say, go for it. Um, but that being said, know in terms of like what where should you start because obviously traveling at christmas comes with challenges right or summer's a high season typically for travel so things can be higher priced you know and flexibility is really important like i can remember a time where we were trying to plan a vacation to go to europe we wanted to go to budapest vienna and prague and we were going to do it over the christmas break because they have like beautiful christmas markets in those cities and nothing i could do could could make it work. Flights were super expensive. The dates weren't lining up with when I needed to be back for school. And we did something else on that Christmas break that ended up working and we moved that trip to February. So I didn't get the Christmas markets, but we still got, you know, a week off in February where we went and had a beautiful time in three different European cities. And so I think like having that mindset of flexibility and seeing, you know, okay, this is not going to work this time, but what can i make work now and just really having that open mindedness you can often find you know deals to places in you know that maybe you hadn't initially considered or like i said even move the entire trip to another time of year
1: do you have like suggestions for how to find like reliable travel websites i know i've heard of things like kayak and all of those kinds of things are those really like i've gone on kayak priceline um Booking.com all of those and it seems to me like they all have the same prices. Is there is there a trick to that? Is there something that's better or how do you know if you're really getting the best deal?
3: Yeah, so you know online travel what booking websites like the ones you just named um, You know the thing you have to remember about a lot of them is they certainly have their value and their their purpose but a lot of them are owned by the same parent companies So if you start thinking like I am doing my homework, I am comparing across three or four sites and the prices really aren't that much different. What you might not realize is that one parent company owns all three of those sites that you just searched on and you think you're maybe getting a better deal or whatever. But they're sort of prioritizing the flight results that they want you to see. So you haven't really seen much diversity in the pricing. So... um, so, a couple of things that I recommend in terms of like just if you don't have points and miles and you're just looking to keep travel reasonable in terms of cost, you know, um, I recommend looking at a site, um, sites like Skyscanner or Mamundo. Um, these are flight aggregators. And so, what that means is they are pulling in flight data from just, um, you know, as many airlines as you can possibly imagine, but they don't sell the flights. So, they don't have any invested interest in a particular itinerary or anything. So they're literally going to show you the cheapest availability, and then they're going to send you to whatever website to book. Um, Even Google flights, to be honest, is a good tool to use because again, they're going to show you it's an aggregator. They're going to pull in the cheapest prices um, versus say like an Expedia Priceline. You know, again, it's not that they don't have their value. It's just, they have certain priorities and saving you money might not be that, high on their list for whatever search you're doing.
1: <laughs> well, I just mind blown. I mean, you just opened up my eyes cause I had no idea that was the case at all. But now that makes total sense that you, that you said that. So that is awesome to know. Um, maybe we'll put some of those websites yeah. at the, in the links at the bottom so people can um, look at the, look those up. Uh, you go to a lot of really unique locations. Like I saw that you had just gone like to Romania. <laughs> And and the, the pictures you have there are gorgeous. It was beautiful, but how do you pick a place to go? Like you just, I don't know. How do you pick? Romania sounds like something that I would not think of off the bat. So when you do that, do you do re, how much research are you doing before you go on and pick a location?
3: Yeah, I mean, I definitely do my research. Sometimes though, I have to say it is just a whim. So I will say with Romania, I saw a couple pictures of like the Transylvanian countryside, and I was like. Uh, this is amazing. So let's book a flight. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's literally that that, you know, fast. I, I like to follow a hunch if I feel like, wow, this looks like in a really amazing place. I will. I, I'm, I like to explore. I, I like adventures. So, you know, I did the same thing with Patagonia. Um, and, and by by the way, Romania and Patagonia were places I traveled solo to, and it was one of those things where you just see the pictures and you're like, this is too beautiful not to see with my own eyes. And I just booked the flight, but other times I research, you know, I like to put together in in in-depth itineraries and, you know, sometimes, you know, have all of my stuff mapped out and sometimes just like to go off the beaten path. It kind of just depends on the destination. How
1: are you finding like food and lodging and in places like that, that you're not completely familiar with, like, how do you know you're not going to end up at some like bed bug infested hostel or something?
3: You know, hostels get a bad rap. <laughs> I have to say they do, uh, you know, look, I, I'm not saying there's not hostels out there that, you know, are, have, you know, not the best accommodations, but there are plenty of really good ones. Um, and I mean, now with COVID, obviously things may change with how we view accommodations, but. Um, I, I do my research. I definitely, you know, read reviews online or, you know, really, I look at other bloggers or people's Instagrams or whatever. I do my, I do my research. Pinterest is great for travel research. And, um, you know, I, I also though have a level of, uh, faith. I think I, I always tell this to people, like when I travel solo, when they're aren't you nervous or you know and i think the more you travel the more you sort of realize that the world is not what you're seeing on the news necessarily the world is actually a really amazing place and sure there are bad seeds everywhere um but i'm just as likely to encounter one you know in my daily life as i am anywhere else because most people are genuinely good and most people you know just genuinely, you know, if you need help, they'll help you or whatever. So, you know, if I'm reading reviews or I'm looking at a a hotel, that's maybe just like this independent hotel. And I'm sort of like, well, it doesn't have a whole lot of reviews, but it looks clean. It looks good. It's family run. I give it a try because, you know, it's, it's likely, it's likely what it's showing me (laughs) that it's fine. You know, I,
1: I am so impressed by people who travel, who travel solo, because it's one thing that I've always liked it's like in me, it's like, Oh, I would love to do that. But then um, hearing when you when you talk about that, it just sounds so amazing. I know, in some senses, when you travel alone, too, I think it opens you up more to meeting people in the culture. And I also think people in those countries tend to be more gracious towards you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, it's, I think that is, uh, that to me would be like a course in itself, like how to travel Independently and be successful at it, because I think you're right that what we see on TV and the news is really not what's going going on in there. I remember when I was in college, I had an opportunity to study in Salzburg for a semester. Our university owns a house over there, and one of this was back in 1980s. Um, so uh, we were had a trip to East Germany, which is no longer in existence, but at that time it was. And we actually had um, a meeting scheduled with other college students from East Germany. And through our conversations, they were under the impression, because all they had ever seen was all the um, newsreels from the 60s riots on campuses. Mm-hmm. And they thought that's what colleges were like over in the United States. And we were under the impression that East Germans just wanted to bomb everybody. Right. And, you know, and, and you just come to the realization that it's, it's like governments, not the people. Oh,
3: totally. Yeah. You can't judge, you can't judge people by their government. It's a, uh, it's, it's one of those, it's like one of those golden rules, you know, because, you know, I mean, people are just people everywhere, right? They want their kids to be happy and healthy. They want to be safe. They want to just feel happy and be with their friends and family. I mean, it doesn't matter what language you speak or what country you're born in. I mean, it's pretty much a universal thing for a majority of people on the planet, you know? Absolutely.
1: A hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree on that.
0: You know, you know, one of the things that I absolutely love about traveling by myself when I go by myself is there is no underlining like, oh, am am I, am I making this trip acceptable for everybody else? Which I think maybe it's as women, as teachers, I don't know. We always want to please everybody. And even on the subconscious, if you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. And yet, it's like when you go with a bigger group; it always gets really complicated. Oh, totally. So the less people, the less people it is, the simpler it is. You go by yourself, boom! It's super simple. Yeah. You do exactly what you want when you want. Yeah, and
3: you know, too, you you are you, you become so reliant on yourself, right? So I mean, that translates back in your regular world, you know. And I don't want to give the impression that like I wasn't afraid. I would be completely point point blank honest and say my first trip solo was actually to Patagonia. And um, it's in the southern part of South America. And, you know, I had to take a lot of these random South American buses to places to get in between like small towns because there's just no other way to do it. And, and, you know, when I first arrived that first day, I can remember thinking like, okay, so I'm actually not going to leave my hotel room. Um, <laughs> you know, but then you have to just remi- remind yourself that that is, you know, that's your mind playing tricks on you and that you're, you're far more capable. And that again, the world really is a good place and you know you have to put trust there's a balance the trust in yourself and trust in the people around you and you have to find that balance and once you do it is is so freeing and empowering to know that you can then go anywhere you want whether it's that far away or a shorter little getaway but that you could do it
1: when i hear you talking about all these exotic places that you've been, and you've been a lot of places, you know, you've really had an opportunity to travel. I just, in my head, I I just hear cha-ching, (laughs) cha-ching, you know, dollar signs dropping, my bank account just depleting. And so I know that one of the the ways that you um, fund your travel is through points on credit cards. And I was looking at your um, website and you have like recommendations of the best cards and things like that. And I noticed that a lot of the cards that you recommend have um what they call fees associated with them like the annual Mm -hmm. fees and most of the time we're drawn to cards that are like zero percent you know that don't have annual fees so a couple of questions I have for you because I'm one of these people who like worries about racking up credit on my credit cards and managing that I know there's a lot of people out there who probably feel like that so a couple of things like how how do you manage that and how do you choose like the cards to use? when there's maybe some fees attached. How do you justify that?
3: Yeah. Okay. So, um, so first thing I would say is that, you know, points and miles ha- has been life-changing for me. Like you said, ha- cha-ching, cha-ching, like who can afford that on a teacher's salary? Um, and that's part of the reason I was drawn to points and miles. Cause I, 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 I was like, there has to be a better way. And when my husband and I were getting married, we were planning our honeymoon and I discovered he had all these points and miles and I thought to myself, well, they must be worth something. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, lo and behold, it led me down this whole rabbit hole, but I wouldn't have been able to go to pretty much any of the places that I've traveled without points and miles because they've either factored in the whole, for the whole trip or for part of the trip. Um, So let let me just say though, that if you're somebody who, Is not a responsible spender meaning you're going to get that credit card and just rack up all this debt and not be able to pay it off and put yourself in a hole this is not the game for you um you're better off um having some kind of savings account or you know piggy bank or whatever it is that works for you and kind of set aside some money for travel and then use that that fund to to fund wherever you want to go um but that being said if you're somebody who You know, is really good at budgeting and really good at managing your spending and is not going to overspend, um, then this could be a really uh, powerful way to travel. Now, I will say it comes with a learning curve, though. So if you're going to get involved with this, it does require you to do a little bit of studying um, because. Earning the points and miles gets to be um, the easy part, and then redeeming them is definitely more challenging, but absolutely not impossible. Um, So, But what I will say about when you get started, so to address your question first about fees, um, this is a very commonly asked question um, for beginners to points and miles. The credit cards have, you know, different benefits. And again, during COVID, this is obviously, you know, we're talking normal times and we can take advantage of all of these things. But these credit cards come with different uh, benefits, whether that's earning additional points and miles for different spending or giving you lounge benefits or, um, you know, free checked bags, um, things like this that you would otherwise potentially be paying for. And, uh, When you use those benefits correctly, um, in most cases, it can offset the annual fee. You know, a really simple example is actually hotel co-branded credit cards, right? So a lot of these hotel credit cards come with a free night and you get the free night every time you renew your card. So if you imagine, even if you have a credit card, a hotel credit card, where the annual fee is, say, $95 and that you have the the card for the first year, no fee, and then the fee kicks in. Well, would ask yourself, could you find a hotel room um, at that hotel chain for $95 somewhere? Probably not. So just by paying the fee, you've just gotten yourself a, f- a, free, <laughs> a free hotel right. night. But again, if you're booking it at a hotel that might have cost you $300, you just come out ahead and the card has completely justified the fee. Right. So you always want to be assessing how you can use the benefits on these cards and you want to be taking advantage of them, of them, because if you can't offset the fee by taking advantage of what the card offers and it's not a card that is worth keeping in the long run. Now, you may want it initially for some of its initial perks, the sign-up bonus, things like that, but it may not be a card you keep long term. Um, that's going to depend on how well you're managing, taking advantage of those benefits. So, you really do
1: need to do your research then to make sure, read all the fine print and that kind of things to make sure that's something that's going to benefit you.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, some of these cards, they don't only have travel benefits. You know, I mean, there are premium travel cards, like, for example, the Chase Sapphire Reserve that has a really high annual fee. And when people see it, they really shy away. Um, but, you know, what they don't realize is first of all, $300 of the fee is actually a travel credit. So if you were going to spend $300 on any kind of travel in a given calendar or a given, you know, a given year, um, that you would have the card, um, you know, the fee already is knocked down by $300, right? Because if you were not going to have the card, but buy a $300 flight, it's essentially the same exact thing as you holding onto that card. Um, But, but also, you know, they think of travel in a very narrow sense where the credit card, for example, counts travel as like like you paid, you know, $20 for an Uber or, um, uh, you needed to park your car in a parking lot somewhere, right? That actually those code as travel on your credit card and get reimbursed, um, against that travel credit. So it's not only like hotels and flights, it could be other things that, you know, that you're already using. Like for me, being in New York City, buying a metro card for the subway actually triggers that travel credit, even though I live there and be buying that metro card anyways. So you really have to do your homework, but you absolutely should not not get a card because of the fee. You just want to be able to justify it by taking advantage of the benefits. And I earn those points and miles by doing things that we all do, like buying groceries, paying my car insurance, buying my pet food, you know, all those things that earned me points and miles from my credit card um, and let it accrue, accrue. And, you know, I was able to make a redemption for a really amazing flight, you know, so if you're somebody who could be responsible, I definitely encourage you to give points and miles a look. Um, and, you know, the other thing would be is if you really are not, turned on by the idea of credit cards or that kind of thing, you know, that doesn't mean obviously travels out for you. There are plenty of ways to travel on a, on a budget. Um, but you know, the sites I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you have ever heard of, um, also these like flight alert, um, um, like email lists. Like for example, one is like Scott's cheap flights. Um, there's like Matt's flights. Yeah. So basically you sign up, there's a free version and there's a premium version, but essentially they send you flight alerts for cheap flights. And so instead of you having to search, search, search all the time, looking for the best flight, you know, you'll get emails in your inbox with places that maybe you didn't even consider before, you know, you might get an email one day in your inbox that just says like, you know, round trip from you know, whatever city or cities in the U S over to Paris for like $297, you know, and suddenly you're you're like, Oh, I'm going to Paris. Maybe you, (laughs) if you weren't planning that when you woke up that morning, but now you are.
1: (laughs) So let's talk about your website a little bit. What are going to, uh, why should people go and visit your website and give us some examples of what you've got there? And, uh, I know you have some courses and things like that on there. What are you offering for people who come and visit your website?
3: Yeah, so I have my regular content that you would find on a travel blog, you know, different itineraries of places I've been or articles and guides for different destinations. Um, I do have a lot of New York City content too, being that I'm in New York City. So that's definitely a popular thing on the blog too. Um, As we talked about, I have a lot of points and miles information as well. Um, So if you're looking to get started with points and miles, I do have... Um, a basics, a free basics course um, that you could sign up for, and uh, it, it'll walk you through just sort of the first steps you should be taking. I also have a Facebook group that's connected to that called Travel Hacking Study Hall. Uh, so, you know, with between the, the Facebook group and the free course, you, if you're interested, you can get your feet wet and just sort of see what this world of points and miles is without too much uh, risk. If you're already doing points and miles, uh, I have, I have a, a paid course that right now is closed to enrollment, but we will be reopening again in the fall. Um, And it's specifically a deep dive on how to redeem your points and miles for the best value. So this is not for beginners, but it's for people who already have a collection of points and miles and just are really struggling with how to put them to good use. Um, So uh, there is a wait list you could sign up for on the the website um, and then you could be notified when enrollment opens.
1: And I have the. I will be posting the links to those um, in our show notes, so that you can uh, go ahead and sign up for Jackie's class and get all her all her plethora of knowledge, um, so that you too can be a, an amazing traveler. So, um, how can people get in touch with you? What are how would you like people to look you up and find
3: so you? The- the blog, obviously, is the Um, You could request to join my Facebook group, um, Travel Hacking Study Hall, as I mentioned. Um, but I'm also on social, like I'm on Instagram. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on um, just a regular Facebook page. So the Globetreading Teacher Facebook page, I'm very active on. So um, you could totally uh, connect on social media that way. Um, and if you sign up for any of the courses or even just my email list, um, you could always just reply to one of the emails I send and I'll get back to you.
1: You're awesome, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to day to hang out with us and share all your knowledge and your insight. And I do want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, checked out her pages yet, go, even if it's just to look at her photography, it's (laughs) phenomenal. She's a phenomenal photographer. It, It looks like National Geographic, like she. Uh, you know, like, like she went on Google and clicked uh, images and then copy paste stuff, but she didn't, they're all hers. So, um, amazing, amazing job! Thank you, Jackie, again for joining us, and uh, good luck to you and on all your travels. And I hope you're back Me on too. a plane thank soon. Thank you so much. We'd like to thank Jackie Sills Della for zooming in and sharing her knowledge with us. You can find all the research and travel links, as well as Jackie's website, the theglobetrottingteacher.com, on our website. So, This brings season one to a close. As the school year is getting started, and the fact that we are real teachers in real classrooms well, virtual ones right now we will be immersed in getting our distance learning classrooms up and running. So, in the meantime, while we're working on season two, you can look forward to some fun but perhaps less intense chats while we get a handle on this new way of teaching. So, in the meantime, Stay in touch by visiting our website, www.transparencyandteaching.com. Please leave us your feedback and share how your school year is shaping up. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love it bunches if you'd take the time to rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or on any of those awesome platforms you listen on. Until we meet again, may your internet be forever steady and your eyes protected from an overabundance of blue light. Take care.